Hi, Clark here with For a Friend, here with Jonathan Edward. How are you, sir? I'm doing well today. Okay, Jonathan, thank you so much for joining me. Um, I've, I've read your For a Friend profile, and I just want to start out with talking about uh, kind of what led you to mission work. Uh, well, um, I grew up originally in the United Methodist denomination. Um, when I was probably in my early 20s, uh, through a friend at work, I was invited to another church. Well, it started out as a Bible study and then grew into a church. It was more along the charismatic nature. Uh, at that church, uh, they had taken, uh, for the first time, a short-term mission trip. Uh, I participated as an adult chaperone on the trip, thinking that that's all my job was going to be was to take care of the youth that were going on our on our church team. Well, God had other ideas, and uh, during that trip to Guatemala, uh, God spoke to my heart uh, to become a missionary. I had no idea what that would all involve. Uh, the following year, our group then went to Peru on another short-term mission trip, and that's where I felt God calling me to return to the country of Peru. Um, after going back to the States, I started looking into Bible colleges. I enrolled in Elam Bible Institute in Lima, New York. And after finishing uh, a three-year uh, Bible course there at the school, I uh, became a missionary through their, uh, the missionary part of Elam, which is Elam Fellowship. And uh, in 1999, came to Peru, and this is where I've been ever since. Wow. So, so you've been in Peru for, what, about 15 years now? Yeah, over about 15 and a half years. And how have you seen it grow from when you got there 15 years ago, 15 and a half years ago, to now? Well, of course, things are changing all over the world, and the biggest thing was with the Internet. Of course, we had it in the United States when I left, and when I got here to Peru, it was just it was just coming in. Not every uh, area had it, and I lived in Lima, the capital city at the time. And um, when I, from the time that I I had been to Peru two or three times before I went, I, I came back as a full time missionary. And um, the first time we were here, they were still in the midst of terrorism. Uh, the Shining Path group was still. Um, uh, causing problems here in the country, and that was in 1992. From that time to when I came back, you did see some changes. Now you're seeing a lot more changes as far as um, technology advances and things within the country, uh, as well as with the gospel. Um, after the Shining Path group, that was about 15 years, they had a reign of terror here in the country, especially in the mountain areas with uh, uh, people who mainly speak Quechua, you really saw a flourish uh, with the churches there, more churches being uh, opened and people receiving the gospel. Um, years ago, uh, the percentage of Christians here in Peru were very small, evangelical Christians. Now, some people say it's somewhere between uh, 10 and 12 percent of the population. Wow. And what were they before? I mean, you know, when you first got there and, and prior to getting there, what was the dominant religion there? Well, it still is um, Roman Catholic okay. uh, as the main religion as it is in most Latin Latin countries. Okay, so um, so you've seen this growth in in people becoming evangelical Christians. 
and you credit some of that to the internet? Well, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say the internet. I would say more, as I was saying before, after the, the, the time of terrorism, mm -hmm. um, because when the terrorists came, they went into villages and, you know, if they felt that you were supporting the government, whatever, they would just wipe out the whole village. And, and a lot of pastors were martyred during that time, entire church congregations. So during that time, you just really saw afterward, you just really started seeing people coming, coming to Christ. Ah, okay. And um, how, were you always in a safe situation or were you ever kind of involved in, you know, uh, exposed to this danger? Well, when we were here, when we were here in 1992, when our group came, um, to be honest with you, I'll just say we were stupid Americans. We had no <laughs> idea what was going on. Right. Um, here the country is, they're in the midst of this and going through this, and we're here, and we knew, we knew there was something go going on, but we really didn't realize the impact of it until we got back uh, to the States, and about three months after we got back, the leader of the terrorist group was captured, and the pastor that we had worked with, he had sent us some newspaper clippings and, and uh, a, a video that he did off the TV to show when person was captured and different things and then it was like oh I can't believe that we were there during all this time when all this stuff was going on but we just saw the hand of the Lord on our group and because I mean here we are Americans in a country we stuck up as it was but um, uh, we had visited numbers of churches were in different parts of the country went to the jungle went up into the mountains but we were we can just we just knew that that God's hand was on us while we were there. Wow. And and how how have you found the Peruvian people? I mean, obviously you've been there long enough that they that uh, they must have touched you. Um, every every part of the country is different. Just like you would go to the United States, East Coast, West Coast, North and South, they all have their their customs or different foods. The people you know are different in their own ways. Um, people are very open here. If you share, go to share the gospel with somebody, you will not have somebody like turn away or they don't want to hear, hear you know, mm -hmm. what you're saying or whatever. Uh, if you hand them a, a track or different things like that, they're thankful. And many times you'll see them sitting and reading it after, after you do. So in, in those sense, you know, you see that the people are very open. Um, but as the technology and things have come into the country, you can almost see where that's almost putting a hindrance to a lot of things because the kids here, the youth, uh, are no different than the youth in the, in the United States. The yeah. way that they're doing with Facebook and Twitter and things like that. And um, I can see the problems that, that those type of things are, are causing here in, in the country more than, you could say, more than what it would be for good. But you can see some things where it's... Um, it's just hindering uh, what you'd call the, the the typical life of a of a Peruvian family. Okay, and, and um, that's interesting. So, a lot of times people look at internet access to these developing countries as a blessing and as a great thing, but it, it also, like you've mentioned, can kind of serve the opposite in the way that maybe um, all of the the bad things that are available online are now available to an entire. Uh, a group of, of young people and and it is because uh, 
I have taught in a few schools here, uh, Christian schools, and with the kids, and, and they would say, you know, teacher, do you have a Facebook account? Yeah, okay, I want to be your friend. So they would connect, and I would look and see things on their Facebook pages, and I would go to them and say, why do you have this stuff on there? Yeah. And sometimes the kids would get embarrassed, and then when I'd go check their Facebook account, they had removed their Facebook account or either deleted me as a friend because I was like, you know, you're, you're saying you're a Christian and things, but I said, I'm looking and seeing what you have on your page. And I said, those aren't things that, you know, that go together. Mm. So um, it's, it's something here and with uh, um, the people from the mountains, many of them are, still feel that they're, they're cut off. It was very, um, how could I say, extreme before because there wasn't a really good infrastructure system here within the country. That just started probably within the, the, the 90s. They started uh, building more roads and, and getting up into the, some of the mountain areas because I can remember when we were first here, a lot of the places we went to, they were all dirt roads. The main highway, which is a Pan-American highway running north to the south, of course, that's paved. But when you got into a lot of areas, you'd go to a paved road, and then it would just be dirt roads, and you'd be traveling on dirt roads for hours and hours to get to these Major, other major cities, but now that they got the road system fixed and uh, we have uh, more airline companies that are serving Peru, it's a little bit easier now to travel within the country. Right, and from where you are now, I mean, where do you see missions going in Peru? Well, there's a lot of things that the, the Peruvian church could use help with. Uh, one thing, because Peru, it's a, a country of almost over 29 million people, but everything's still concentrated in Lima, which is a capital. And Lima probably has about 10 million people living in the city. So you, don't, you'll, you have almost half of the population of the country living in the capital city. So everything's done there. So if pastors or churches, you know, are planted in other areas, many times in a denominational church, they don't come and visit those churches. They won't visit the pastors, see how they're doing. And you find a lot of times that these pastors get frustrated with the denominational church, and they'll say, well, you don't come here to help me. So then this year, it was an Assembly of God church. Next year, it could be a Baptist church. The following year, it might be something else because they're just looking for some type of connection, some sort of covering that would, you know, be there to support them. And you don't see you don't see a whole lot of it. And then Bible schools, most of them are in Lima. You don't have too many other cities that have a Bible school where uh, if pastors want to go to get training or that. So a lot of the pastors are not trained very well, we find in some areas. And that's where you start coming into... Um, we have, typically we have, you know, cults here, just like you do anywhere else in the world. Mm -hmm. And, but a lot of other ones coming from, from Cuba, from Brazil, different places and that, and they're coming in and saying that they're Pentecostal in nature or whatever like that, but they are, they are definitely a cult. And some of those pastors from those churches will leave and join that church because they get a little bit more friendship or or help from them, but they don't realize that, you know, that uh, it's not really uh, an evangelical church. It's more more of a cult. 
So it's really, uh, it sounds like one of the main issues is, is kind of boots on the ground, people that can be there to fellowship and to help grow the church. Uh, you, could, you could say that. I mean, right now I'm living in the northern part of Peru. I lived for eight years in, in Lima, and now I'm in the northern part of Peru outside the city of Pura, and we're about four hours from the border with Ecuador. Now, a lot of people up here, when I came here, and things would happen in Lima, they would say, well, that's not important to us because that's Lima, that's them. It's almost like we're, we're another part of Peru, so we don't care about what goes on there because they don't care about us. Mm-hmm. Up until three years ago, we didn't have any type of like shopping centers or anything. Other parts of Peru had them. We just got ours three years ago. And you can see the growth starting to come because of those things coming into our area. But... Um, you know, the people here, you have some places that are very prideful. The people are very prideful there, and they just feel they're better than, than others. You go to other places where there's a lot of places that still don't have electricity or running water. We have water where we're at, but we, we get water one day a week, and then the people on the other side of the street, they get it the next day. So to, today we get our water. Tomorrow, the people across the street will get it, and we only get it for an hour and a half. Oh wow! So you have, so you have to fill. We have we have a big cylinder in ground that we fill, and then we have other tanks that we fill as well, so we can have water to bathe and do whatever, cooking, you know, whatever else the families need to do here. So it is a little different type of life. And let me ask you, what can people do listening to this? Um, to help, to help you and to help uh, Peru grow in their faith? Well, we always appreciate your prayers. Um, if you're not familiar with uh, the Operation World Book that um, uh, has all the nations in and shows you what, how you can pray for them, Operation World is a very good tool to use, and they have um, a very good... Um, right up on the country of Peru that says different things what uh, you can be people can be praying for the Christians throughout the world and is that available um, online uh, yeah they have it you can get it you can get it on you can get it online you can okay. up through operation world they have it um, you might have to you might have to purchase it but I think it's less than what the book is but it's it's a very good tool for Christians all all over the world to use. I mean, it's just, and I, and they even have it in a, a children's version as well. Okay. So churches use that, and they can teach their, the children in the church the importance of mission and what the kids can get involved to do. But um, prayer for the, for the church and for the pastors, that the pastors would be strengthened. Uh, right now, uh, Peru is an open country that anyone can come in and share the gospel. Uh, they are trying to pass some laws, and that has to do mainly with through the Catholic Church. Uh, we had, um, the pastors here have heard that they're trying to pass a law that each church has to have 10,000 members. If you don't have 10,000 members, then you're not considered a church. So you would have to close your church. So some pastors are starting like a pastor's association where they'll give covering to a church so the small churches could join them and then with all of those churches together, they would have 10,000 members. And why would, uh, the Catholic, uh, why would the Catholics want to do that? Well, because they're losing, they're losing people to the evangelical church. Okay. And people are, are 
also not even going to be evangelical. Some are just not going to church at all. I mean, it's probably 80, 82% Catholic here, but as far as Catholics who actually go to church every Sunday, and that, that amount's very small. Right, right. Like a lot of uh, Latin America. Um, okay, so uh, any is there a way that people can donate to your cause? I mean, you've got a, a page on For a Friend. Yeah, I have a page on For a Friend, and um, I have I have an account on Facebook. I'm I'm closing my personal account on Facebook, but I have I'm, I'm just doing a page for our mission work, and it's strictly mission. Okay. It's it's mission, the number two, Peru. So it's mission to Peru, and you know they can go there and they can click on that and they can see updates about the work and the things that we're doing here. And if somebody would want to, you know inquire about sending in an offering for the work there they could contact me on that page or as you said on for friend um, I have a page there and they'll see some different ways there that they can uh, donate uh, to the ministry okay wonderful well, Jonathan Edwards thank you so much for joining us I really appreciate it well thank you very much for this opportunity okay